You're listening to Don't IEP Alone with special education advocate Lisa Leitner. For more information about Lisa, the IEP toolkit, and more ways we can help you in your process, go to adayinourshoes.com. Now back to the show with your host, Lisa. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Leitner and welcome to another episode of Don't IEP Alone podcast. I am coming live to you from my office and I don't know if you guys can see that. Obviously, if you're listening just on a podcast, you you can't see it, but I do put these on YouTube. There's a little like, see now I moved my hand. Anyway, I'm using one of those misters, those aromatherapy misters. And I have lavender essential oils that I put in the water and mm, it just smells so good. It's supposed to calm me. I don't know if it does that. I guess it does. But if you like, if you like lavender that smells like a, like that, I don't like the really sweet ones, if you know what I mean, that almost smell like lilac and not lavender. And I'm like, nah, you got that mixed up. That's not lavender. But if you like the woodsy, spicy kind of lavender, I love the essential oils from Avon and they're much more affordable than other places. If you subscribe to my email, you can look in the footer. I am an Avon lady, believe it or not, and have been since 1994. Fun little fact about me. So welcome. Yes, I'm wearing another Philly shirt. I'm also wearing it because believe is not, it is um, of course a saying for the Phillies or a mantra for the Phillies, but yesterday was an international like 15 day or something. And it was I didn't wear it yesterday because I'm not on camera on Wednesdays, but 15 day is it's to acknowledge and create awareness around the various conditions that occur on the 15th chromosome, which includes my son. My son has dupe 15Q. That is one of them. Angelman is another. Rett syndrome is another. What's the last one? Oh, Prader-Willi. Prader-Willi. So all four of those conditions occur on the 15th chromosome. And it's just different. It's kind of amazing when you know science or, or, and I don't know science like that much, but to dig in and say like all this stuff happens on this teeny tiny chromosome and it can create so many different things for different people. So now you're aware, right? It's also Epilepsy Awareness Month, which I've already said I am aware AF of seizures, but I have been sending out some emails and doing some some social media posts surrounding that. The main thing I want to draw attention to, since it is Seizure Epilepsy Awareness Month, is to please know or please watch the video. I have it on my site. It's all it's on Facebook as well. There's a video going around put out by one of the organizations of a baby having infantile spasms. And the reason I want everybody to watch that video is because for years, my doctors kept asking us, is he having infantile spasms? Is he having infantile spasms? And I would always say no, because the fact is like, I don't, I didn't really know what they were. Like some of the times when they were asking me that question, he wasn't an infant anymore. He was a toddler and I was like, well, no, he's not an infant. So he can't be having infantile spasms. And I had this own picture in my head of what a spasm is as well. And that was also incorrect. And when I watch these videos, I think, you know what? I think he was having those. So anyway, make sure that you know what those are like, especially if you are around little ones, especially if your child is at a higher risk for epilepsy. You want to be aware of what they are so that, you know, you can go for EEGs and begin medication as soon as is warranted because seizures are very hard on the brain and they cause regression. Ask me how I know. 
but that's another podcast for another day. Today, I want to talk about social skills because we are exactly one week out from Thanksgiving as I record this. By the time you listen to it, it'll be right before Thanksgiving, and so you may not even listen to it. But anyway, I want to talk about social skills. I do have a list of social skills IEP goals on my site. It probably needs to be revisited. In fact, I know it needs to be revisited and reworked, as do many of the articles on my site, just because ours, our world in which we live is, it's always evolving. It's always changing. It's always, we know more now than we did, you know, that blog now is almost 12 years old, if you can believe that. And our thinking and our approach and how we take care of certain things like social skills have changed. So anyway, take that with a grain of salt if you do read the article because I haven't updated it yet. It's on my to-do list for this week. But many of our kids, as we know, and let me just be clear on this, they struggle with traditional social skills. And I think that is the most important concept to kind of grasp as we move forward. And because many kids with ADHD, intellectual disabilities, autism, whatever, they were not exhibiting traditional social skills, meaning reciprocal conversations, eye contact, that's a big one, engaging, you know, just the things when you think about what neurotypicals do socially, our kids were not doing them. And it was seen as a fault and it's led to bullying. It's led to a whole lot of other issues because they do not exhibit traditional social skills. Now, I could go on a rant all day about how ours is a patriarchal society and we have these we have these expectations that this is how things should be and, and anything else is unacceptable and so on and so on. But we're now moving toward a time where we have to understand that just because someone exhibits different social skills or they're not responding or replying in a way that is accepted, that doesn't mean that they are lacking social skills. I can't even tell you, you know, when I think back to high school and college and guidance counselors and I forget what, what do they call them in college? Advisors, right? That was your, you had an advisor, right? And when they, when they prepare you for the workforce and job searching and job hunting and interviewing and all that, it was always this whole thing of, you know, a firm handshake and solid eye contact and things like that. And we know for a variety of reasons that for many kids, that's uncomfortable and we shouldn't necessarily penalize them for that. We shouldn't assume that they're being rude. We shouldn't assume that they have poor manners, that they don't care what you're saying and things like that. It's just different. And many times if you engage the person with a conversation, you'll find that they are very engaged. They are listening. They are paying attention. They are processing. They're just not looking you in the eye while they do it. And that's okay. We need to accept that that is okay. It's okay to be different. We can't just preach this different, not less, and not follow through with it. It's okay to not want to shake somebody's hand, especially after three years of a pandemic, right? I don't like shaking people's hands. It's okay. I was at, now this goes back, probably Kevin was very, very young, maybe preschool, maybe a little bit older. And I went to my Acme market and I had him, I don't remember if I had him in the stroller or the wheelchair, but for whatever reason, the young woman who bagged our groceries was helping us out. She was pushing the cart. So I'm assuming I must've been pushing Kevin's wheelchair. And she took us out to, you know, walked us out to the parking lot to help me to the car with all my groceries. And I had long suspected, now I've been shopping at this Acme for 25 years, I think since, yeah, since 1998 when it was over in Kennett. Um, So I've been shopping at this Acme for 25 years and I don't know how long she's been there. She's 
not that old, but I had long suspected that she had autism because I would see her there every day and just certain things, you know, you think, I bet you she's autistic. So she walks me out to the car and we engage in this conversation. And she's, I remember her saying to me that she doesn't like looking at people's faces because it's too much information to process. And that was her reason for not looking people in the face or in the eye because she's already trying to process what's going on around her conversation and whatever else and when she had to look at someone's face too it was too much information for her to process so she looked at the ground and she was apologetic for it and she said I'm sorry I'm not looking at you and she again she explained why and that was just very no pun intended that was very eye-opening for me to hear that you know I think again I don't know why it's human nature to assume that a person is being rude and doesn't have manners when they don't do things like make eye contact but there's usually more to the story if you're willing to dig deeper. That's just one example of a typical expected social skill that often doesn't happen with our kids. But I wanted to talk a little bit more about social skills because we are heading into the holiday season and chances are your child will be around more and new and different people and perhaps have the opportunity to engage with new and different and more people than their usual schedule. And we want our kids, like I want everybody to accept our kids, but at the same time, we do have to be realistic in that, yes, some amount of social skills and engaging in conversation and things like that need to kind of take place or or there has to be some kind of explanation. And not that I want our kids explaining themselves away the whole time, all their lives. Maybe that's not a, a good word for it. But but we want them to, you know, because our kids want to engage, right? They they want to be around people. They want people to like them because that's human nature as well. So I would definitely prepare your child for each event that you're doing and ask them what's difficult for them. What are they apprehensive about and things like that. This is also a great time if you send out Christmas cards or Christmas letters. This is a great time to prepare people for what to expect because I don't think that our kids should have to go through life with a parent kind of snow plowing ahead of them and clearing the way and explaining everything that they do before we get there and things like that. But if you're going to be staying with family, you want to set your child up for success. And there's no harm in telling your family and friends and relatives that what things your child likes to talk about and what is uncomfortable for them ableism is going to happen. Ableist comments are going to happen, but you can prepare your child for that. And you can also, again, prepare your family and friends for that too. It's a different time, right? It's a different time. We eat different foods. We, our houses often look different. You know, there's a lot going on. We're with people that we may not see the rest of the year. And this can be a great time for them to practice their social skills. And it can be a great way to immerse your family into your child's life and activities and interests and kind of build that understanding. Again, nothing wrong with an email, a text, a note in a Christmas card of these are my child's preferred foods. He doesn't talk much. He's quiet. But if you ask him about such and such, he surely will engage with you and things like that. Because, you know, we also have to remember that sometimes older relatives in particular you have relatives who don't have kids, they don't know what to say either sometimes. And they, you know, how's school, right? How's school going? Ugh. Like, and, and nobody likes school anymore. You want to set everybody up for success because 
success begets more success, right? And your child has positive experiences with one group of people, then that increases their confidence and to have more success in situations with other people rather than feeling awkward, feeling, you know, you don't want to have grandparents saying something like, why aren't you looking at me in the eye and, and things like that when it's very stressful for them. For, you know, I think of something that I really would not want to do let's say like I'm a terrible singer. Okay. I'm okay with making eye contact with people that doesn't bother me, but I'm a terrible singer. So if I went to some family event and it was really, really uncomfortable for me to do something like sing and to sing well and sing in front of people because I know I'm not good at it and I hate doing it. Like it's kind of the same thing, right? Like here, you have to sing in front of all these people. For some kids, that's what eye contact or other things may feel like to them right? They, they don't feel that they're good at it. They don't like doing it. It's uncomfortable for them and they don't want to do it. And then why are we forcing it when you can just kind of inch them toward it? You know, you don't have to look at the person, but you do have to ask them one question about themselves or something like that. The other thing I would not force is hugs. Not everybody likes to be hugged and that's okay. It doesn't mean that we don't love our grandparents. It doesn't mean we don't love our aunts and uncles. It's okay. It's okay to not want to be tickled or pinched or teased. It's okay to have boundaries. And these are the things that just because our kids have different boundaries or, you know, I hated being tickled as a kid. And I remember what would happen with uncles or grandparents or something like that. And they'd be like, oh, you don't like that. Like, no, I don't. And why should I be made to feel bad for putting up a boundary about something I don't like? This is my body and you don't get to touch it without my consent. And that goes for all of it. That doesn't mean that our kids lack social skills. It means that they are not in some situations as good at masking it, right? I was probably better than many of our kids at masking it and just kind of dealing with it and internally rolling my eyes or, you know, walking away from the situation. But just because our kids don't mask it as well and may have like a little outburst, it doesn't mean that they lack social skills. It means that they're being more vocal and more outspoken about their boundaries. Not wanting to hug someone, not wanting to be tickled, things like that. That doesn't mean you lack social skills. So let's kind of reframe this and redefine this as we go into the holidays. But there certainly are things that kids can practice, you know, practicing conversations, advocating for themselves, asking for what they want, asking for what they don't want. It might be something like your child will, you know, you're going to prepare your child to ask for their own beverage at, at a family gathering. That might be a really big step for some kids, right? As moms, we do that a lot. And as dads, we know what our kids want and we preemptively line it up for them. But maybe this time, don't get them the beverage. Let them learn to self-advocate and ask for what they want. That can happen too. It might be something like asking where a bathroom is, handing a gift to someone, handing a card to someone, reading a book to a younger cousin, someone like that, right? reading a book to them. That might be a good practice area for them. Engaging in parallel activities, right? Maybe have everybody do a sensory activity together. Why do the sensory activities only have to be for autistic kids, right? They can be for everyone. Do a gingerbread house. Do a sensory bin with a Christmas theme. There are lots of things you can do but to engage everybody in something, like have them make ornaments, do coloring pages. There's a lot of things you can do. So, Anyway, use these holidays coming up. Not that I want you to be working, working, working and thinking about kids all the time, 
but there are ways to naturally work in some practice and some success for your child in practicing skills. So I hope that you get the opportunity to do that. I'm working on that myself and I will see you next time. Don't forget to follow us at its Facebook backslash a day in our shoes IEP. I'm on Pinterest as well. Facebook, Pinterest, oh, YouTube. This video will be on YouTube and anywhere podcasts are listed, you can find me. So, and don't forget to check out a day in our shoes.org as well. Thank you for listening to Don't IEP Alone with special education advocate, Lisa Leitner. We're so glad you've joined us and would love to connect with you outside of the show. For more information about Lisa, the IEP toolkit, and more ways we can help you in your process, go to adayinourshoes.com. From self-care tips to common IEP mistakes, there's even more to explore. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast and subscribe to never miss an episode. Until next time, don't IEP alone, and you don't have to.